come to our attention that a mysterious force is loose somewhere in outer space. Welcome to Talk Tank. Hello, you have reached the Talk Tank, the official LLC entrepreneurs podcast where we delve into the minds of those who think, live and breathe outside the box. My name is Jessica G and I will be your host for today. Welcome to Bits and Bytes, our series dedicated to innovation and technology at the heart of society's change. By delving into the technology that drives transformation, we will meet the humans who revolutionize our lives bit by bit. Whenever you use an app, access a website, or do anything in the virtual space, you create data. But do you actually know where your data is going and who's using it? Today's guest, Guglielmo Sganardi, along with his co-founder, created Rita Personal Data, an app with over 100,000 members and a four and a half star rating from almost 2,000 reviews. Rita allows users to view, control, and earn rewards from their own data. And founded only three years ago, Rita has already secured 1 million euros in pre-seed funding. Alongside a successful startup, Guglielmo has also recently launched the first startup program offering a double university master's called Genoa Entrepreneurship School, or GES. GES is a joint initiative between Georgetown and Genoa University so that you can build or work in a venture whilst attending a master's. This way, you don't have to choose between pursuing a startup career or pursuing education. You can do both. In this episode, we'll focus on two key topics, the importance of data privacy in an increasingly data-driven world and how education and entrepreneurship can coexist. Hi, Guglielmo, and thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Jessica, a pleasure to be here. Um, so at this point, I've already introduced you a bit to our guests, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself maybe a bit more? Is there anything I've left out? Um, so who would you say you are? Who is Guglielmo Scanali? Yeah, thanks, Jessica. No, I think you covered uh, almost everything about me. Um, maybe what I can tell is I come from Genoa and I've been really passionate about uh, technology and the internet. At the age of 12, I worked with Sony Telecom Nestlé um, and because uh, at the time there was no one on the internet and I was really passionate. Okay, so that kind of makes sense. So you were really engaged uh, to the internet when you were a younger kid. And I guess your startup, which is kind of like data-based, it makes sense, like technology and everything. But could you kind of explain to our listeners, so how did Rita come about? And, you know, why did you and your co-founder create Rita? Yeah, uh, actually, we are both non-technical founders, but we've really been passionate about technology. And it was 2018 when we got the first idea. We were studying together a digital law course. And we realized, okay, um, we can't really see the data. It was all um, displayed uh, in, in a JSON file, uh, thanks to the GDPR. It was already a huge progress, but we couldn't really understand it. So we said, okay, we should really be able to see it. Everyone talks about it, but never, no one saw it. So let's make it really understandable to everyone. And that's why we started displaying the data. And that was, uh, was the first function uh, of RIT and then moved, out, moved on then to controlling it and um and monetizing it later on i see and then could you explain for our listeners so how does rita actually work and and why do you think people should use it um the second question is i think the most important because data is a lot of value mm -hmm. um, and it's part of us and i think when you move around the data as you said in the intro around the internet uh you create and generate data and i think it's really important information 
and we should mm-hmm. control it, you know, because as as everything is is important and it's personal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think you should take time, uh, even little, and it's now is really easy through Rita and, and many other applications to just spend a few minutes a week to really understand it and manage it because it can really impact your life, um, mm-hmm. even if you don't realize it. And then how it works? Uh, basically, you connect to your Google date uh, to your Google account, mm-hmm. and we. Uh, store a copy of your data and then we display it to you so you can really understand um, your data what will come which companies has it and um, what they do with it then you can mm. remove to the companies you don't like and then uh, share it with the one you love and get some rewards for it yeah sounds really cool and I've never heard anything like it so that's awesome um, and of course Rita is a very trust-based startup because Obviously, the users are entrusting their own data to you guys, um, and obviously you're helping them and the greater good. But for example, I bet there's like a lot of skeptics, you know, who hear about this. For example, like my grandparents, I think if I explained this to them, they would be like a bit on the fence, like, should I trust Rita with my data? So could you kind of explain like what Rita does to protect your data or like keep it private um, and keep the consumer Mm -hmm. safe? We first anonymize the data and we don't pair it. And right. then we aggregate it before analyzing it. So it's no way we can actually find um, the the connection between the two or we make it extremely hard for ourselves. And then, of course, we have advisor from the privacy space. And mm-hmm. we're working also for a more consumer-oriented um, way to explain it that it's immediate to our grandparents, for sure. But indeed, mm-hmm. I think it's also clear that for our business, if we break trust, we completely shut down the company. So it's yeah. not at all in our interest to do something like this, but actually to really help the users uh, getting control and, and have safety. Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. And that's a great answer. Um, but as you kind of mentioned before, so you and your co-founder don't come from tech backgrounds and mm-hmm. pretty much all our listeners, because it's an LSE podcast, are LSE students, and also LSE isn't notorious for, you know, teaching us how to code or anything. We're all like politics, social studies, economics, that type of students. Um, so I was just wondering, because um, a lot of us are still aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, could you tell us about the process, how it was like hiring outside help, like engineers to basically build your product? Um, was there any difficulties in it, any challenges or how was that yeah. entire process? Yeah, yeah, I think there were a lot of challenges, but because we were fearful, uh, we mm-hmm. were scared of hiring someone. And then, yeah, we hired, we just put an ad on LinkedIn and realized, okay, there is a lot of mm-hmm. people willing to join this idea. Uh, they found it really good. And uh, I also got the reference from a friend that is also in engineering. So in the end, we got a lot of time from all over the world, like Kazakhstan, Brazil, Iran, Lithuania, uh, India. We have an international team because the, yeah, they, they really felt, they were really, sorry, passionate about the mission. And that's, I think, what attracts the best engineers, you know, when they really want to solve a, a challenge that they really care about. And you can if you can find those problems that have, they make uh, engineer passionate, yeah business people passionate that i think you're in a good place yeah that's quite reassuring to hear because yeah as a student and our entire society entrepreneur society like 300 400 students who all at some point want to work or create their own startup Mm -hmm. that have like no technical knowledge at all it's nice to know that as long as you find the right people as you mentioned people who are passionate um, about the product then you can make it work and yeah it's a scary idea because you kind of hand it off to someone to make your vision come to life yeah you need to be you find a really good a person where you start with and you really trust him trust him mm-hmm. or her of course um but yeah i think surrounding surrounding yourself by advisors is also a good idea you know to be on the same spot they can check a bit what they're doing and mm-hmm. if you need any help 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think they're always there. So I would highly recommend anyone to get a technical advisor or at least someone who can understand both tech and, and business sides. Yeah, definitely. And getting, you know, aside from getting like engineers and, you know, your employees on board, you also must have gotten investors on board. Because as I mentioned in the intro, you guys got a million euros in just pre-seed <laughs> funding alone, which is really impressive. Um, so how did you pitch Rita to pre-seed investors or how did you get investors on board? And are there any tips you'd give anyone for fundraising? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's really hard, tough, a tough job. Uh, I think the first is not give up during fundraising. It's not mm -hmm. easy. Um, our we coming from a business background, we knew we studied well how the public market and the startup uh, financing market works. So we were, of course, planning to raise at the peak uh, of of you know of the market, and we saved a lot of we bootstrapped a lot. So we reached forty thousand euros, forty thousand users. Um, with just our own money, and we wow. hired really great talent from from countries which they didn't didn't have high salaries, and they're really passionate about the the project. So we could keep marketing and and costs low, and I think mm -hmm. that's really important for a student because what you have apart from university degree, it's it's your product, you know, and uh, and maybe one or two internships. But if you bring a tangible product with some really uh, important results, your company is valued way more than actually mm -hmm. an idea or a pitch. So I would advise any student to try to bootstrap as much as possible and to reach the highest results they can until before going uh, to fundraise. And then I guess it's it's really uh, presenting the, the problem and the need uh, for right. it and how you're going to address it in a really clear way. So I think also moving forward with your product on a bit more on your own, it also, also gives you clarity on how to solve the problem. So investors will really want to see clarity and some results and the approach you want to take uh, for the future and that you have really understood your business well. And mm. so I would say, don't focus on fundraising at first. First focus mm. on results and building. And then when you really can't do it anymore, at least, of course, at the, at the beginning, <laughs> then go fundraising. I think, yeah, our path it was is a bit rare. Uh, yeah. Not many, not technical founders start a business. And also we, we would strap till, a mil, till then raising a million euros. Yeah. Uh, but I would say I would I would recommend it to anyone to to try to push them uh, without getting investors at least at first. And then advisors are a really important part. I have to say I have to tell you, Jessica, because mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time getting great people on board, uh, pitching our idea. And I think investors love when you know have a unicorn founder that is in in your advisory team or a potential customer or someone mm -hmm. really that uh, has experience in the industry or or generally is reputable or coming from a great company. Definitely. I can 100% agree with that point about advisors. I mean, we're not even a startup, our society. We're like more an organization, I think you can say. Um, and, you know, we manage lots of events and we have different ventures within it. And this podcast falls into one of the ventures. But like my role um, besides the podcast in the society is VP, but I don't really do much um, aside from advising the president. And then same with the other vice president. And like at first, when I heard about the role, I thought that's kind of you know that doesn't sound very practical productive. like I'm just an advice yeah exactly not very productive what's the point um but throughout the year I mean just getting a second opinion um is so so important so so definitely a good point on getting advisors it's you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help uh, for no sure. definitely not and if you can pitch and present your idea really clearly I think right. you can get a lot of good people helping you out just do yes. some LinkedIn or email outreach yeah for sure um, and then kind of like on the topic of fundraising. So I know this isn't the exact 
similar or same type of scenario but um I saw that in 2014 there was like a really big flood in your hometown and so Mm -hmm. you said on your LinkedIn that you were helping like physically of course volunteering to clean up but you were also raising money um and you don't like I don't know maybe fundraising is very vastly different from like a natural disaster versus you know startups and pre-seed investment and stuff like that uh but could you just kind of talk about that experience you know has it really affected you as an individual or entrepreneur yeah, I guess uh, it was the start of a lot of things that flowed because mm. actually I was um, I had a blog at the time and a blog no people at the blog at least at my age it was mm-hmm. really at the early stage of the internet you know when TV was still kind of fighting for control saying okay internet is a bad place it's really yes. dangerous don't go there and I had a blog ten twelve mm-hmm. um, and then I took I was taking the bus back from high school going home and I, the bus got stuck and they were the flood. The water was coming out. And so instead of going home, I started taking pictures with my phone and I posted <laughs> online and it got really viral. All over Italy, they were taking my pictures wow. of the blog. So that also helped me boost all the content I already had on my blog. And that's yeah. also what led, you know, Sony and Telecom call me up because it was kind of a reference for, for my age group wow. of, of what to do and kind of the voice of that, that group. And so, you know, early, early stage of a small small influencer at that time in his <laughs> really niche, play, niche um, space so yeah. I think that helped me a lot and I think y- you learn a lot from disasters and you know how to react and you know yeah you go back you know to, to the ground and you mm-hmm. reflect a bit what and what is important and what is not you know um, mm-hmm. so I think yeah helping a lot to rebuild makes you think and you you really want to make sure that doesn't happen again and you reflect a lot I don't know if you heard uh, two, three years ago, a bridge collapsed and we rebuilt it in, in record times. Wow. Okay. Amazing story then. Yeah. It seems like you built a lot of skills just from that personal experience. Um, and then I, I, cause you mentioned before you were kind of like an influencer and then also digging in, um, MTV did a documentary on you and kind of like your daily yeah. life, <laughs> which is so, it's honestly kind of random, but super, super cool. Um, so I know before we move on to like talking about GES and all that, um, could you kind of explain to me, like, why why did they shoot a documentary of your daily life? And, you know, like, what was that? Yeah, because, again, I think, you know, a person, a kid of 12 years old, yeah, with, uh, working with Sony, working with Nestlé, and, you know, like, the blog was really, really read around, mm. was was marveling people, say, oh, wow, you know, uh, <laughs> this guy this guy is really... Um, is, is, is really cool. And I was uh, writing articles about promoting the Kindle instead of books because the backpack was too heavy, you know? At the time, the Kindle was really niche product and kind of innovative. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that was the movement at the point of, yeah, the internet versus TV and kind of uh, being a nerd. I was not a nerd. I was not coding. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but it, this, this, this kind of, okay, people who are on the internet are still normal people, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then they were really curious to hear, yeah, my story, I guess, of, 12 years old how actually there's all a lot of things that I did at the at that age happened and that's why they shoot the documentary and they called me on tv and a lot of these things which then I stopped I, I prefer to went, go out a bit of the media and being that exposed to work nice. more on other type of ventures more more solid and leather and tech and then I came back indeed with Rita uh, but I, I'm really I really feel my like I really feel the problems and the causes and I really try to to solve them up you know, yeah. that's why GS, it's, it's still a, it was a problem of mine and a lot of students. I can imagine a lot of society feel the same. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I try to work really hard on, on it. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think GS is so cool just from reading about it. And the fact that you can get two masters at the same time as well is very impressive. Um, and Georgetown and Genoa, they're both amazing schools. And like, for example, that is, as you mentioned, like it is an issue uh, at LSE. I know quite a few people um, who are once members of our society, so my age, and they've all disrupted their studies to take their startups further. Definitely. So maybe at least five or six people I personally know who I used to go to class with and stuff, they're, they're taking a gap year, like in the middle of university degree mm -hmm. yeah to go to keep building and scaling up their, their startup so it's kind of, it feels weird because it's like they're putting a hold on their education and like on it's and yeah so I definitely see the need for GES but um so it's kind of more like a recent project um that you've launched this year so can you kind of tell us like what made you start GES how did it even happen were you approached by the schools or did you approach the schools what was the process of creating GES so I was building Rita while I was in China. Again, my co-founder actually sees a lot of struggles. And then mm -hmm. I, I, th those schools were a bit more corporate, let's say, or, or <laughs> theoretical. And then yeah. I realized, okay, but actually talk something new. And I always thought, okay, university should, is the place where really adds the most value to society. You know, it should prepare you to, to enter the world of, of, uh, of work. And I felt, yeah, the master of in entrepreneurship didn't fulfill the need at all and then i said okay this like what do you indeed happens is either you disrupt your studies or you disrupt your startup or you disrupt your health right to do right. to do, do the same and i was doing i was doing that i prepared all my exams in <laughs> during christmas time i never attended <laughs> the class and <laughs> this could not be you know this could not be even if i got good uh -huh. grades but still i really <laughs> felt it was a big problem and then when COVID mm -hmm. came, I came back to Europe and I reached out to the university. I said, okay, guys, this is a big opportunity. There is a big problem. Um, we need to bring it. And then they said, okay, Guglielmo, nice idea. I, we like it, but we take four years to do it. We are in university. We have time and, and to bring it to market. And I said, no, no, we need to do it in four months. And of oh. course, they told me, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy, but if you want, um, go ahead and do it. You know, you bring the product to market. And we bring you the, the 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 classes, the degrees, but you bring the mentors. Anyway, you are a founder. You have you feel the problem yourself. Who knows better the market than you? I said, okay, cool. I'll I'll take on me. I built a team, and then uh, we validated the mass the the concept with the mm -hmm. summer school last uh, last summer. Uh, four weeks program in Genoa. We selected twenty five startups of with founders of nineteen nationalities coming from all over the world out of two hundred application, and wow. then we got. 12 mentors, which uh, include a lot of big names. The principal of Sequoia, Douglas Leone, uh, uh, founders of, um, you know, that are the companies that listed on the New York Stock Exchange or big scale-ups, VCs, people from Google, Microsoft, Oracle, and many, many others. We even flew people from the United States mm. to, to, to mentor our, our startups. And then we present them to 80 investors. You might know there was their GFC, uh, Austin Ventures. I think you know it uh, pretty well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, the World Fund and many, many other startups. So in the end, everyone was happy. Students happy, professors happy, investors happy about the format and say, okay, we are ready to 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 go for for a master degree. So the same content, same professors, uh, more mentors. Actually, now we have nine unicorn founders in our team mm -hmm. and more VCs. Wow, initial investors. And then, yeah, we are looking for the 20 brightest students uh, in Europe to, to join our program. This is so cool. Okay. Wow. That's really, really awesome. And everything, like, 
everything you just talked about, like it, it seems like it was planned so well and meticulously, like it was really well thought out to kind of launch, I guess, as an experiment as well to test the market, as you said before, that mm -hmm. summer program the year before, before you actually do the full-fledged yeah, like, program. Right, so exactly. actually in two months, in two, we went really fast. So in three months, we created a concept and we launched, and then we launched in two, two months, we launched the master again. So we are going wow. really, really fast. Yeah. Okay. And so you built a, you put a team together. So, cause I like, for example, me or other students probably listening are like, we wouldn't even know where to start. Like, do we go on LinkedIn and like message who, who we think could be good? Or do we, you know, message our friends or like, uh, how did you put like a team together? Huh, it's, it's a good question. First, I look for reference. They know who, how I work and who I look for all about the problem. So, okay. They, they really felt the same. They want to either to improve the city or they, they felt this is a big issue. And then I think that's the most important part. So not necessarily your friends, but someone you really want to work together. So you yeah. approach life the same. You have the same values. I will look also look outside of work, you know, because in the end, uh, you, you're going to dedicate a lot of your life and time to, to a startup, you know. Right. And so you need to pick the person right and, and that you have the same core values. And then, of course, that you work with the same passion towards the problem. So I think... Start your, to look in your inner network, and then oh, don't feel, don't be fearful about dropping a LinkedIn LinkedIn ad. There is a lot of people <laughs> eager to join cool ideas. Right. Uh, so I would say be careful about starting with a, that close of a friend. Yes. Not always the yeah. close friends are, are the best co-founders. Maybe they're just friends. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay, that's good advice. Um, and okay, so we mentioned it in the intro. So obviously, what makes this a startup program is that you're doing two masters, but you also get to work or build a venture in the meantime. And that's like mm -hmm. the kind of like unique selling point. So what would that actually look like? Or how does that work that you're working or building a venture on the side? Yes. Yeah, so basically you can join the program if you have or don't have an idea. Uh, mm -hmm. If you have an idea, you get uh, over 200 hours of mentoring. So we have more mentors than students, actually, because we want to really make wow. the one on one connection and they mm -hmm. really understand your business. And so they can answer all your questions at any time. You can call them, WhatsApp them, schedule calls at any time. And then we yeah. only have classes for, on average, one hour and a half a day. Uh, mm -hmm. And you see professors three times a week and then mentors and guest speakers the other three times a week. Uh, so actually, we changed this paradigm. It's study that it's in a function of work rather than mm -hmm. the other way around. So you can really focus working full time on your, on your business. Mm -hmm. And then... We offer 10 plus 10k plus funding uh, equity free if the idea is good. One year of free office in Genoa, and then of course we present you at the uh, our investor the final demo day. Plus you get the, the degree Jeez. from the University of Genoa, recognized from the University right. of Washington. So basically you don't lose a day building <laughs> your company, and then the end yeah. of it, you really get the degree as well. No thesis, so you will be just the demo day, and basically your assignments and how you will be graded is. Basically, you're working in a startup. Imagine finance. Maybe they yeah. ask you three to five year forecast. That anyway, you're gonna do it, and you plug it in, and and that's kind of your assignment. The professor also help you shape it. If you don't have an idea, uh, we help you getting it with the two welcome weeks we have in Washington. Industry leaders come in mm -hmm. and bring you all the biggest problems they have, so you can get inspired. Or um, we can help you out getting an internship. Whether you want to work in a bit more corporate, uh, yeah. in VCs or in a scale up because we are so little students and the quality is high that the mentors yes. can help you out finding an internship in their portfolio companies, in their connection, or at least help you out crafting um, the, the application. 
Um, and so we focus on that and students has to have three months internship before graduating. And, and yeah, also we connected with students from law uh, in mm -hmm. Georgetown, which they're really good, number three in the United States for international law, mm -hmm. uh, business engineering students, which I think if you're a non-technical founder, it's really, really important in the University of Genoa, <laughs> and designers as well, since the university is number five in Italy uh, for designing. So yeah, we prepare you to have the right people at the right time and the right advice. Right. Also, if you don't have an idea, the final uh, thesis is just reporting the work you did during the year. Yeah. And I, <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself but like this is a really cool idea I really really wish we had this at LSE because we're super like entrepreneurial focused and we have like LSE Generate which I don't know if you know about LSE yep. Generate yes of and course. um right and then we also have like HSBC so we have a venture capital fund for mm -hmm. LSE students as well and so they're yep. always giving us these types of opportunities but it's really hard to take it when you're studying full-time as well um and so it's just it's really amazing that this program exists. And I personally, for example, I am going to be graduating um, the year after next year. And like, I didn't plan on doing a master's at all. I I just totally didn't want to, but like listening to you talk about it, now I'm like very tempted to apply for GES um, after I graduate or after working for yeah, a little the, bit. The, the, key point is, the key point is that it's not a master in the end. You just yeah. you get a degree, but what you really see, it's a new way of learning. It's more kind of an accelerator for help yeah. you to connect to the industry rather than a master. So indeed, the word, we try to not use it too much because it's, it's misleading a bit, but it yeah. was really the bridge between the two worlds without losing you know, uh, the degree. And because in the end, some topics, professors are better, are, are, right, are better right. than matters to explain, you know, like law or... Um, policy making, and that's we where Georgetown maybe focus a bit more. Washington is really strong in in you know uh, law and uh, understand policy. That it's governments are more and more involved in business nowadays, and also mm -hmm. the engineering part. So the profile is it's uh, general, and also remember that VCs love uh, love uh, that you come from a great school and seeing you that you yes. attended a master, right? So. Yeah. In the end, uh, all the money. One day you will you will pitch to a VC investor, probably coming from the US, and they they love to see the logos of of their of their institutions for sure. Yeah, and it's a smart decision picking a American university and you know another Italian university. Like it works really well as well because yeah. it's now kind of like an international degree. Like it'll be recognized anywhere, not just in yeah, the exactly. US or not just in Italy. Yeah, that's great. Um, I also noticed, so like looking at your LinkedIn, at the end of your bio, it says, and it, I think it's funny because your whole LinkedIn, I don't know, it, it says like, it talks about you in third person a lot. I don't know if you wrote it yourself or who, but it's quite entertaining to read. But it says he loves to travel, understand different cultures, innovate, um, so learn and do better than his predecessor. And I was thinking about it and it's like, it kind of makes sense as well. I don't know if you did this intentionally, but with GES, like you're not only outdoing your predecessor by having a successful startup and having GDS, but you're also kind of like carving your future successor, like the people who come after you, the next generation of like entrepreneurs or, you know, the next generation of like startups come from this program. So it's really, really cool. And I just think it's kind of full circle moment. Um, but that's kind of all I wanted to ask about GS and Rita. And we are going to move on to our next section, which is called Real Talk. And it's just a very short yeah. section, but basically what we do is, so this podcast has been running for about three years. Um, we're coming off upon like, 
our maybe 66th episode at this point, but we span four different series and our guests come from all sorts of industries. So not just startup or entrepreneurship, we have authors, we have fashion models, we have like people who make music, um, we have like climate activists, uh, athletes. So it's just like all realms of life. It's just anyone with an interesting story mm -hmm. and we kind of think is like entrepreneurial spirited, even if they don't necessarily have like a startup or a company. Um, and with mm -hmm. this section called Real Talk, we just ask some general like life questions, stuff like advice and stuff like that. Um, and it's very nice to listen across all the different episodes and have like some questions that are the same for everyone. Um, so anyway, these are called our signature questions. The first one is if you could change one thing about society, what would it be and why? Uh, I think... It's not at all easy question. I think education <laughs> is the, is the base. Mm. So for sure, I always felt I uh, probably like you guys at school was right. not fun. Probably from the <laughs> second day I got in, and I think that way of learning probably is really really old. I think it was you know elementary schools or even university they were mm. taught two hundred years ago, probably 100, 200 years ago or even more. And mm -hmm. that doesn't fit anymore the high speed society where where we are in, you know. So I think yeah. we can do way more interactive learning, way more accessible learning. I think you know tools like Coursera or mm -hmm. learning tool are, are really great. And I think that's why like GS exists. It's just we really want to make an impact. So being meaningful about the world and helping others being meaningful through an interactive journey and, and fun you know because in the end you can learn still having fun and yeah you know, uh, being in an interactive place and i think that will change a lot uh, the world because education is what uh, how you know a society thinks and the approach you on how you see things and if you change that probably we will see the world in really different perspectives no that's a really good point um I totally agree with it. So if, I guess your one thing you would change about society is maybe our education system or just updating it um, mm -hmm. to, you know, modern context that we live in now. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and then another signature question uh, that we ask all our guests is what's an unconventional truth you believe helped you achieve your success? So nothing like super generic, like, oh, follow your dreams, like, not, like you know, something else. An <laughs> unconventional truth that helped me out, right? Yes. And incremental. I think to me, it's just, I really, uh, it's, it's a probably a pro, I think that I have in my brain, I always remembered since a kid when people tell you that you can't do it, mm. you know, that uh, this thing is not going to happen, it's not doable, you won't make it, or they, I don't know, they, they offend you. I always remember these things. Mm. And then I think keeping that in mind when you're down in energy helps you out getting back you know it's it's also part of the general entrepreneurship school you don't know how many people didn't believe in it probably i was the only one or uh, yeah the american consulate who supported me from the start mm -hmm. but yeah the two university of course but still there is a lot a lot of people really really skeptical so i i write down all these sentences and you know makes me go through and, and progress when when i'm a bit stuck yeah it remembers me to to believe in what i'm doing yeah. I try to focus on maybe on the negative parts to build good rather than, you know, on the positive and be happy. You know, I'm more kind of that reactive part, like kind of oh, the flood, the bridge, this kind right. of things really help me out to, to bounce back and, and keep going. That's great. That's great. Um, and then 
a lot of our listeners they always ask like our guests they request that we ask like oh do they have any specific like book recommendations or maybe other podcast recommendations or you know anything that like a resource that might have helped you um so do you have anything you would recommend to our listeners uh so any books that have helped you or any quotes or anything that in general that has you know helped you come along in your journey yeah i think of course, if I say why uh, why combinator school, it's too basic, right? I think <laughs> the audience knows it by heart. But I would say just reflect on the notes a bit more. Uh, remember to take notes about what happens in your life and your learnings and reread mm. them a bit more. Not necessarily a book. Uh, read a bit more, reflect a bit more. That would be my advice rather than 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 going specific. I think take your time to, to do your learnings. Maybe one yeah. day a week or... It's specific time of your date, but don't lose track because when you go building, sometimes yeah. you forget about learning. You're so focused and you forget about the rest, but it's actually sometimes good to get out a bit. Yeah. Start up maybe one day and just reflect on how to improve and read about it. That's, I think, some some key piece of advice I would give. And yeah, try to listen a lot, a lot of to people and mm-hmm. the right one, of course, not not everyone, but <laughs> why, why some people say things, ask a lot yeah. why. That would be my my advice. Yeah, very applicable as well, because especially here in London, everyone lives very, very fast paced lives. So no one really takes a minute to like reflect on their day, the people Mm -hmm. they've interacted with, what they've learned in class. And, you know, it's all just like about getting to the ends. Okay, I need to do decent on my exam and whatever, finish this little side project or whatever. But no one actually, you know, takes the time to think about it or like, I know now meditation is a bigger thing too, or journaling or just like any type of thing where you can self-reflect. I, I would say I, I keep uh, myself I keep uh, a slot in my calendar to really reflect about how the way went mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. team so really focus on how we can help each other or how we can help the team how we can improve every single day I think yeah. having in the calendar and getting a notification helps you out to focus that half an hour a day <laughs> maybe going back home from school or from work I think that helped me a lot uh, throughout the, the my journey yeah yeah, I've never put it in my calendar, so I actually might start doing that. Um, but awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you for your time and for talking to us about Rita and data privacy. And then also this whole new kind of like concept for a startup program um, that you can do in school whilst you're also, of course, like pursuing education. Um, and just, you know, overall talking about what it's like to be an entrepreneur and like everything you do with you and your team. To wrap up our interview, though, we have one final question to ask you that we also ask all our guests, of course. So if you could invite anyone in the world and do an interview instead of me, um, who would you invite and why? So should I, so I interview him or her or? Yes, I'm yes. Interviewed? So if you could invite someone to interview, who would it be? I think um, Elon Musk for sure, but I guess every speaker <laughs> says it, right? So let me try to find that one. Um <laughs> I guess Arno, I would invite him, the, the CEO and the founder of LVMH. I think because it's it's really close to Italian and, and French culture and textile. Mm. I think he built a really great business without being in software. And yeah, I would be really curious to hear his thoughts. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week and leave your message after the beep.